Well, good evening, everyone. I want to read to us Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at the first 10 verses. It's going to be in the screen behind me, but just during the service, I've decided to change the version that I'm going to use. So in the 530 Prospect service, I read from this version, which I'm reading from tonight. In one sense, it's a little bit more simple, but sometimes the simple things can be really profound and can be really powerful. So we'll be on the screen, try and follow along, or maybe you just want to listen to this being read, okay? There's Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In the past, you were dead because you sinned and fought against God. You followed the ways of this world and obeyed the devil. He rules the world, and his spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. Once you were also ruled by your selfish desires of your bodies and minds. We have made God angry, and we are going to be punished like everyone else. But God was merciful. We were dead because of our sin, but God loved us so much that he made us alive with Christ. And God's wonderful kindness is what saves you. God raised us from dead to life with Christ Jesus, and he has given us a place beside himself in heaven. God did this so that in the future world, we could, he could show how truly good we are by his kindness through Jesus Christ. You were saved by faith in God, who treats us much better than we deserve. This is God's gift to you, and not anything that you have done on your own. It isn't something that you have earned. It's not something you can boast about. God's plan for you was to do good things and to live as he has always wanted us to live. That's why he sent Christ to make us what we are in Christ. Or as other versions says, God calls you his masterpiece or his workmanship. Masterpiece or workmanship. I'm going to pray and then we're going to unpack God's word together. Spirit, I ask you to come and I ask you to fall on this place and I ask you to move in this place and I ask you to move around this place and I ask you to open minds, open ears, open eyes and open hearts to the truth that you have to say to us tonight. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you will breathe life where there was dead. I ask that you breathe life. However we have come to church, whether we want to be here or not, whether we are enduring this or not, God, I pray that this would be a significant moment. And I don't pray that lightly. I pray that this would be a significant moment in people's lives. So come, have your way. I ask for clarity. I ask for clarity of those that listen and I ask that you would move. I ask for still. And I pray, God, that you would move by your spirit. I ask this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, so my name's Mark. I'm a pastor, and I love being a pastor. I love being a pastor because it's really great to be a pastor, because here's what's really great about being a pastor you only have to work one day a week, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I just have to work on a Sunday, and then for the rest of the week, I am off. No Monday blues for me, no siree. I have the whole week to do whatever I want. It's actually really good. 
It's actually really great. And one of the things that I love to do is I love to watch TV. Love to watch daytime TV because that's quality, quality viewing. And if you've watched daytime TV, you will know that a genre or a style or a type of TV that you would watch is the classic before and after. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, you, you do, you do. The before and after transformations. I love an old house, for example. An old dilapidated house that gets transformed, that gets this makeover and gets created into your dream home. Or I love those shows where they take an old car, an old rubbish car that you would never drive that's being neglected and forgotten about. And with a little bit of love and with a little bit of care and a bit of TLC, it goes back on the road like this. Or of course there is the classic makeover where you take someone who... Who's nice? They're nice, but they're a bit dull, and their hair's a bit messy, and they're a bit bloated, and they're a bit unhappy, and, well, what I don't like about this picture, she's wearing glasses in the before one and not in the other. I think glasses are nice, just throwing that out there. <laughs> but apart from that, apart from that, she looks great, okay? So that's, that's the classic one there as well, where you get a hairstylist, you get a makeover artist, you get some fashion guru, you get a nice spray tan, and you can look pretty. Of course, no one in this room would need that, because you're all lovely, <laughs> lovely people. But sometimes, no matter how hard we try, you just don't have a good day. If we'll move quickly to the next slide, that just will give you nightmares. Did you know that in the passage that we've just read in Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 is about a makeover. Maybe you didn't see that. It's about a makeover, but it's about a spiritual makeover. And here's the thing that might shock you. The before is worse than just simply having messy hair or a bad sense of fashion or being a little bit ugly or having a few flaws in your character. The before is absolutely shocking. So as we come to this passage, as we come to the before, here is the before. It's there in verse 1. You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. The before is blunt. The before is to the point. The condition is extreme. You are spiritually dead. Dead in sin. Our sin is disobedience to God. Our sin stops us from being friends with God. Our sins is like rejecting God who should rule and reign and be the king over our life. But instead, it sounds so much better if we could be the mini king or we could be the mini queen over our life. So we push God to one side, or we reject God, or we live our life thinking we don't need God, because that sounds so much better. But sin separates us from God. We cannot have a relationship with God in our sin, because we're separated from him. Verse 3 then goes on, all of us lived that way, following the passionate desires of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we are subjects to God's anger. So here's the thing. Not only are we dead in our sin, but we will never be able to do anything to save ourselves. Even if we could, our default to God is always rejecting 
him, always rebelling against him, always thinking that my way is better than God's way. And we love created stuff more than the creator God. And that's a tragedy. That's the great exchange where we exchange all the good that God could give us for temporal things that might satisfy for a little while. We are deserving of punishment. I have to hit pause at this point because I can hear you say, Mark, this isn't the motivational sermon I was hoping for on a Sunday night. This does not sound very positive. This does not sound very encouraging. I bought my friend tonight or I am only here to watch someone get wet tonight. And you're telling me that I'm dead and I'm ugly in my sin. You're telling me that I'm deserving of wrath. Sorry, but God's word is telling us that. And I'm not trying to offend you. I'm a nice person and I'm sure you're nice people, but I am not trying to offend you. I'm just saying what it says here in the passage. We are dead in our sin. We are without hope in our sin And we are at a default where we will always reject God. But here's the thing. Here's the good news. Because we don't just stay at the before. We come to the after. And the after is so much better than the before. And here's the thing. Sometimes we have to see how bad our sin is. Or how bad we are in our sin. Before we can see how good God is. We have to see how bad we are before we can see how good God is. And that's exactly what we see in this before and after. So in verse four and five, it says, but God who is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. So here's the contrast. First one, we're dead, but here in verse five, we are made alive. Verse four, rich in mercy, no longer poor. And in verse seven, it says that we are put on display. God puts you on display as a trophy. What an amazing thought that is. We go from being dead in sin to being made alive in Christ. We're going from bondage and sin to freedom in Christ, and we go from being condemned to being accepted. That is the good news. That's the transformation. The transformation is in verse 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you, can take, you can't take any credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of you can boast. The key word here is grace. God's grace, God's love, God's forgiveness. Bono once said this, at the center of all religion is the idea of karma. What you put out comes back to you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or in physics, every action is met by an equal or an opposite one. Yet along comes this idea of grace to upend all that. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I'd be in big trouble if karma or religion was going to be my, finally be my judge. 
It doesn't excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins on a cross. And that is what we desperately need. That's what everyone in this room, whether you're saved four weeks or four years or four decades, we all need God's grace. We need Jesus to take our place, to take our place on a cross, to raise us to life, to invite us into a relationship with him. And in verse 10, he holds us up as his masterpiece. I love that little word, masterpiece. I wonder if you ever thought of that. You are, if you are a Christian, God's masterpiece. God holds Reuben up as his masterpiece. God holds Kelsey up as his masterpiece. Have you ever thought of that? You may have been distracted tonight by something sitting over here, this little coffee table. Did you see this little coffee table? Someone spilled water on it. This is my little coffee table. I made this little coffee table. Okay, this is my fifth year. That was your, that, you could have clapped and applauded and <laughs> gone wild. It's too late, it's too late. I won't take that, it's too late. It's too late, you missed your opportunity. I made this table. This is my masterpiece. This is my fifth year project. Cully back at high school. I didn't do particularly well at school. That got me a B grade in GCSE. But that's my little table. When I got married, or when I lived at home, this table sat in pride of place at my parents' house. So I was 15 when I made this. When I got at home, it sat in pride of place at my parents' house. When we got married, it came with me and it sits in pride of place to this very day in my house. I sit down every morning, beside my chair, and that's the, where I'd set my coffee cup to this day. I love this table. You might think this is weird, but I'm really proud of this table. You might think it's really weird to say that I love a table, but this is my masterpiece. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I don't care if you laugh or giggle or think, he's crazy. This is my masterpiece. And here's the thing. There's a few scuffs and dents. You can come and look at this. There's a few scuffs and dents and scrapes and scores and flaws and things about it, but still, this is my masterpiece. And that's me just talking about a wooden table. So you see what God does? God talks about a human being. He talks about you, and he holds you up as his masterpiece. And here's the thing. You might have flaws. We all have flaws. You might have flaws. There might be things in your life that you think, well, there's dents and there's scrapes and there's things and flaws and imperfections there. If you are saved, if you are a Christian, if you belong to God, God holds you up tonight and says, I don't care. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your mess. I don't care about the train wreck you've made of your life. I don't care about your sin because I paid for your sin on a cross. It's done, it's finished, it's paid for once and for all. That's what Jesus does. And he holds you up. I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that God does that because I know how flawed I am. I know how broken I am. I know, I know my life. Like you're getting the best version of me at the front. That might not be very impressive, but this is the best version of me trying to get my best preach on tonight. But God knows all my flaws. God knows all my mistakes. He knows all my sins. He knows all my struggles. He knows all the things that I do wrong. Yet he paid for that on a cross and he holds me up. He holds you up 
And he says, this is my masterpiece. You are beautiful. You are loved. You have worth. You have a place. You belong because Jesus died for you. The big word I had this morning was this sense about being a spectator. So easy to spectate. So easy to spectate. Like you are here tonight literally to, to spectate. Spectate on baptism. Spectate to a sermon. But I want to encourage you not just to spectate. I want to encourage you really to think about what is going on and what is at stake here and this beautiful before and after transformation that can be yours tonight. I don't want you simply just to sit back and say, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. Maybe another time, but this isn't for me. I'm not sure that I really like church. I'm not really sure that I like those Christian type people. Can I let you in a secret? Sometimes I don't like church and sometimes I don't like Christian type people either. I'm not asking you to fall in love with a church or fall in love with some people. And the people here and the church here is wonderful. I love it. I'm asking you to fall in love with Jesus. Jesus is inviting you into a relationship tonight because God sends beautiful Jesus to come and die for all that is ugly, all that is broken, all that is messed up, all that is flawed, all that is dead in our life, and we can have hope in him. Tim Keller says this, Jesus was abandoned and paid for our sins so that God would never abandon you. The cross proves that he loves you. This is the before and the after, the spiritual makeup with no gimmicks, with no cons, with no sales pitch. God can change your life. That can happen for you. It can happen for anyone in this room and it can happen for anyone even listening online. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that you will come God, I pray that you will bring this message to life. I pray, God, that in this room tonight, you will bring people to life. Holy Spirit, be at work deep, deep into hearts tonight. For the people that just said, I'm coming to just watch and to spectate. I'm just going to endure this and then I'm leaving God, I pray that you will just break into their lives now. I pray, God, that you will move. I pray, God, that you might be gracious to save tonight those that are maybe very close, but something's holding them back. God, I just pray you'll break in tonight and do something significant. I pray salvations over this place tonight. I pray that you'll move over this place tonight. And I pray, God, you'll transform people in this room tonight. Thank you for the baptisms that we got to witness, which is a drama of what you have done. You died. You went down under. You died, and then you came back up in new life to offer new life. So, God, I pray that you'll move and that you'll stir and that you'll open hearts in this place tonight and do that for your glory. And I ask this in your name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Bless you.